0: Friday broadcast, Erev Shabbat Shira, candle lighting at 5.05 in this area. Again, 5.05, official candlelighting time. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update. Today, Mr. Honline is in the holy city of Jerusalem. Uh, Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the A.M.
1: And you with your shovels and me looking at the beautiful, sunny skyline of the old city of Yerushalayim. I don't know any reason why people shouldn't be here. Mm. And and many people are coming. You know, there's going to be massive celebrations for Jerusalem 50, and the World Mizrahi Movement has undertaken one that I know you have been... uh, Involved with, and it's going to be. A, a, I've spoken to ministers about some of the plans for that week, and they're looking. to This year being a very good year, tourism from, by the way, all over the world. The, the number of Indians, Asians, Koreans, Japanese, especially business people coming here, and uh, and um, overall, a good time when people will be able to celebrate by coming uh, during that week. And the program, I understand, they'll have a thousand people from around the world plus many from Israel joining. Uh, there will be celebrations in the Old City, around the Old City, many opportunities
0: to celebrate Jerusalem. Are you and I going to have a chance to do any of those projects together that week, Malcolm? Are we going to have an opportunity to team up and, and represent the Diaspora Jury together, you and I?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think there'll be a number of opportunities that I've heard. Of. I've received already uh, quite a few invitations to different major events from that ministers uh, informed me about when I met them this week. And, of course, the uh, Mizrahi program, which I'll be participating in, and I, I know you will, and uh, Chief Rabbi Sachs and many officials from here will be uh, joining I think we we can look forward to many opportunities to do things together to show the world what United Jerusalem really means and why we have to put its joy above
0: all others. 100% and uh, kudos to Mizrahi because I said to someone this week I was meeting with a community leader and frankly they got out there on the 50th before anybody else and and kudos to them for that because they were really the first to declare that the uh, Jubilee year has to be a massive celebration and please God even more and the thousand you mentioned will be coming from the diaspora to celebrate. And by the way, on the subject of shovels, yeah, we have the snow shovels here. You have the dirt shovels there on this Erev Tu Bishvat, a unique situation where you get to celebrate Tu Bishvat in the Holy Land. And I do hope, as you just indicated, that more and more people put these trips to Israel on their calendar. If it can't be Yom your Shalayim anytime, because uh, as you just said, uh, once you're there, you can't imagine not being there. That's how amazing Israel is. Uh, all right, you know you're in Jerusalem, which is always unique for us, and 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 more of a, a weekly update experience because uh, uh, normally um, uh, you've uh, you come out of meetings uh, with uh, with uh, public officials in Israel, uh, those who are certainly in the know, and you know what's on everybody's mind this week, and that is the upcoming summit between uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the President of the United States, uh, Donald Trump. Is there anything you could tell us in advance of this meeting, um, whether it's agenda, uh, attitude that you may have picked up, you know, the type of atmosphere that we might see on Wednesday in Washington that you may have picked up from either the White House representatives or the Prime Minister's representatives to give us a little bit of a preview of this week's meeting?
1: Well, I don't think anybody really knows what fully to expect. There is a great deal of significance, as you indicate, uh being placed on this meeting uh, because it is the first, obviously, and because it will help set the tone for the future relationship. So the purpose this time, I think, first is the chemistry between the people establishing the means of communication, understanding uh, the direction that each is going in. Remember, the administration here is, you know, just in its first few weeks, only eight of the 20-plus members of the cabinet have been uh, approved it in place. Uh, that's every day more being added, but key decision makers haven't been put in place yet. So this is really uh, number one, a personal a meeting between on a personal level and developing the chemistry between the president and the prime minister. Every reason to expect. It will be good, although he did come out today on the settlement saying it's not the growth of settlements not helpful to peace, and inevitably there will be differences, but overwhelmingly the issues of Iran, what's going on in Syria, the rise of Islamic fundamentalism, the terror threats these things are all issues that the u s and Israel have in common, and we have every reason to believe that they will be able to Uh, look at these issues uh, discuss these issues. Uh, You know, the White House is now considering making Iran Revolutionary Guard a terrorist, designating it a terrorist organization uh, with uh, all the implications that that has, the the new sanctions on Iran, uh, and and the toughness of the administration so far in dealing, and at least with the verbal declarations. Uh, Iran supposedly pulled a missile off a launch pad mm. uh, that apparently was ready to be to be sent up a, a, a Safir a, a missile. Uh, though I saw another report that indicated that since the deal was signed, Iran has launched 15 missiles, all of which are violations of the of the Security Council resolutions, if not the spirit or letter of the uh, agreements. So we, we spoke about what very.
0: Yeah, I'm top sorry. Agenda. Yeah, we spoke about one of Are them. Me? I think we spoke about one of them two weeks ago, right? The ballistic missile test. We was, did, right. And right. Exactly, and that was the first one since the election. Right. Now
1: we understand there may have been more. We know that on one of them it said "death to Israel" or "the road to Israel's destruction." Uh, but yes, we did discuss it. But now we're finding out much more about the facts uh, of, that there may have been uh, more, and the the missile that that was taken off the launch pad. Uh, was used to put a satellite into space in the past. So this is not, you know, some sort of a a mortar fire or or local rocket. This is a a very serious one. So Iran clearly has to be at the top of the uh, agenda. And, you know, they announced that they can hit Tel Aviv in seven minutes. They also said that they have 36 American bases in range of their missiles. And if the U.S. does something stupid, we'll wipe out the American Fifth Fleet, which is based in uh, Bahrain. So the United States has a lot to be concerned about, and the U.S. and Israel really are the leaders in this issue and have to come up with some common policies and approaches.
0: All right, let's go back for a second. The t- <coughs> excuse me, the timing of the visit, the timing of the visit, any big deal that originally they were talking about mid-March and now it's happening you know, weeks earlier, or is it simply just a convenience issue or a scheduling issue? I think
1: that the March date was because it coincided with the APAC conference, or mm. which the uh, the Prime Minister often attends. Right. Um, I think that that was just, uh, and and because he is going to Australia three days later after his American trip. And, as you know, was in England uh, at the beginning of this week. So I think it was because of the schedule. It was, it was not because there's some particular urgency that, that drove it. One of the things, the messages that you want to send, that every leader wants to send, is that they're amongst the first to be seen by the president. Right. And the fact that, uh, you know, the, uh, the King of Jordan was in uh, Washington last week, but he did not have a private meeting with the president, they, although I heard that they did meet on the sidelines of another event. So this sends a you know important message that he is given priority that Israel is given priority.
0: And you mentioned earlier about the revolutionary about the Revolutionary Guard. I mean, I think it's the same thing with the Muslim Brotherhood. What is the hesitation? Why? What? What, what is it that's so uh, that, that needs so much consideration when trying to classify a group as a terrorist organization?
1: Well, the purpose is to dissuade foreign investment in Iran's economy because the Iran Revolutionary Guard, as you know, controls a very big uh, percentage, especially in transportation oil. And uh, and it is a message, but you have to put in place, you know, the regulations and the, um, you know, they've blacklisted dozens of entities. They did 25 just uh, a week or so ago. And uh, so this is a decision has to be made. But again, you know, the Treasury Department has to be uh, uh, ready to enforce it. And so you have to put everything in place. I think that's the only hesitancy that I see.
0: I hear that. And when uh, and when the president or Washington or the White House uh, comes out with a statement that you just mentioned in terms of, you know, settlements being, let's just call it an obstacle to peace or whatever you know exactly the quote was, is, is it possible that that's pressure? from others from the state department or others in washington who feel that for american policy it's important that he put that statement out there or as we're learning more and more about this president he acts you know so independently that if he makes a statement like that it's it's really coming from him
1: so first of all we have seen the return to the bush language that uh, of of the past and in the letter in 2004 and which is very important because, as you know, during the Obama years, they sort of neglected it or rejected it, um, but which essentially said that construction within the boundaries of existing settlements was acceptable. So now, and we've seen a reversion to that type of language, and what the president said today, that it wasn't helpful. He did not say illegal. He didn't say violation of international law. Right. and I think that this is a topic, but it could be a message to others in the region, and it could be that he really wants to make the deal, and he has said it, and I think people should take that seriously. And if he says this is unhelpful to the deal that he's trying to make, so I think Prime Minister has to hear those words uh, and others here as well to understand that, you know, there's no blank checks ever in international diplomacy and right. and. and of relations. It's an issue we'll clarify, maybe, you know, so he understands exactly what the law implies, but uh, the language is moderate compared to what we have heard in in recent
0: years. But I think It should, I, should not be dismissed. I think for those of us who fear peace negotiations, or at least in the format that we've seen over the last couple of decades, I, I think we have a lot to worry about. I think we have a lot to worry about. You know, a lot of people have put their faith frankly, in President Trump, that he would not go down an identical road as prior presidents. And it's possible after this summit with Prime Minister Netanyahu that we will learn otherwise.
1: Look, I think every president has tried to, and wanted to make peace in the Middle East as a goal, set it as a priority goal. I think that every one of them has their own way of going about it. If you look at the members of the cabinet, many of them are very pro-Israel, and very supportive, certainly Vice President Pence and um, uh, Mr. Pompeo and, and others, the gener- some of the generals, they've all had experience with Israel, they're considered pro-Israel, and certainly Jared, others around him and Jews around him will, will testify that he is very sympathetic to Israel, and he starts off on that basis. So I, I, on the one hand, I don't think you should read too much into things, on the other hand, at this early stage, and on the other hand, not to be dismissive, you know, people think that automatically this is going to be you know it's in our pocket and that Israel can your so the statements that we should wait till January 20th and we could do what we want well that's not true and it's not smart to say it and certainly not smart to act on that basis yep. and that's true on all issues
0: that that you can do things but you got to do them smart 100% that we get uh, and finally just on the <coughs> in terms of what we did in our opening the the bravado that you are describing that Iran now has you know um this is seven minutes from Israel uh, the American bases you know in their uh crosshairs uh, etc cetera, et cetera i mean is, is this surprising um uh, at this stage is it a fear or or a uh, um a um, a counter move against president Trump because of his own you know major statements about Iran do they do they have no choice but to act in the public arena right now this way <laughs>
1: Uh, I think that it, it's probably all of the above. So, number one, uh, you know, Iran uh, uses boisterous language, and, but they haven't matched it with deeds when it comes to U.S., because whenever we stand up to them like we did when we fired at the little boat harassing our, our destroyers, they ran away. And I, I often said to the administration, they won't do anything if we show strength. What they do is exploit weakness. And it, it, it disadvantages our allies, but it certainly puts us in, in, a, in a weakened position vis-a-vis Iran. And they have created the facts on the ground. Nahum. They they have built the, the uh, Shiite crescent. Every day they're moving more Shiites into Syria, the connection between from Iran to Iraq to Syria to Lebanon. Well, they're doing it, and they are establishing themselves with Hezbollah's growth in the... Um, the power that uh, that Hezbollah has had, and uh, in Syria, and the uh, more and more sophisticated weapons uh, that we know that uh, that they have. So, uh, and, and and by the way, the Syrians also getting away with much. We saw just reports in in, in during this week, and although ISIS uh, recaptured a uh, captured a Turkish town in northern Syria in the Al-Baza near Aleppo, uh, they, they also um after four days took three uh, Syrian army bases, while the Syrian army has moved closer to the border of Israel, replacing some of the rebel groups and fighting the rebel groups. But unfortunately, they're all fighting each other more than they're fighting uh, the Syrian army. The rival Sunni uh, groups um, uh, are, are often caught up fighting each other rather than uh, focusing, and, and uh, they're still According to u n this week, seven hundred thousand people in Syria under siege, and the um, expansion of those of the number of executions and the the reports that are coming out that get almost no attention, which is uh,
0: also quite remarkable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at the Nahum Siegel network on NahumSegal.com, dot com, of course. On our beloved NSN app, Naomi Nachman follows us after the the 2 special at 9 o'clock, 10 a.m. for our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, including Mark Zomik's Friday Live Lunch, all the way until candlelighting time for the Kedem presentation. Do not deprive yourself of our incredible programming that you could take advantage of all day long. And by the way, Mazel Tov to Iki Rosazada and the entire Rosazada and Friedman families on the Big Bar Mitzvah. This coming Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is with us from Israel. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations on a Friday morning uh, weekly update. So when ISIS, who you just brought up in terms of the activity um, in near Aleppo, when, when ISIS takes responsibility for the rockets fired uh, over a lot this week, which had to be intercepted by Iron Dome, by the way. Um, that means they're controlling what? They're controlling a part of Egypt? They're controlling the Sinai or part of it? Where, where are they that they, that those rockets are coming from that direction?
1: Right. So this is uh, not the ISIS in, in Syria that I was talking about. This is right. called ISIS uh, IS in, or Islamic State in Egypt. It used to be called Islamic State in Sinai, but a few weeks ago, <laughs> uh, in reflection of their broader aspiration, to, which is to undermine the regime and not just to get the foothold and uh, use Sinai as a base of uh, terrorism uh, against Israel, against Egypt, against others, and with the aid and, and abetment of Hamas often, and uh, they not only take their wounded there, but they build weapons, to get weapons through Gaza. This is part of the reason why Egypt is so angry. There is an attempt at reconciliation uh, by Egypt and Hamas, but like it is not going to uh, uh, go very far. Uh, we, in fact, found this, the, the Israelis found this week, um, a massive uh, network of how money was being transferred for terrorism by Hamas from Gaza into Israel, into the West Bank, with <clears throat> prepaid um, credit cards, uh, debit cards, and uh, <laughs> using them to pay off not only the, the terrorists who engage in activities, but to buy stuff. Uh, and to, so ISIS in, in, uh, in, in Sinai uh, launched these four rockets three were taken down by iron dome one was not because it was uh, by computer they could determine that it would land in open area uh, there was also there was also some mortar fire and, and rocket launched from uh, by the Hamas from the Gaza into Israel we don't know which group yet <clears throat> but it was responded to very quickly it was I think only one or two that hit. And uh, Israel is not going to tolerate any of these violations, and certainly not coming from the Sinai. Israel is working with Egypt. There is a cooperative uh, effort, but ISIS is certainly determined to bring down the government of Egypt and Jordan, and, uh, and of course, the main target uh, will always be Israel. Yeah,
0: as we know. By the way, uh, with with all the rumors flying, is is David Friedman expected to remain ambassador, the new ambassador to uh, Israel for the United States?
1: Well, he hasn't even come up for a hearing yet, so we right. have to—he'll give him a chance and have a chance to express his views. And um, I think it's likely. I don't see any reason um, that, the, that it, you know people have been critical, but others who, uh, members of the cabinet who were very controversial so far. Haven't gotten through, um, so we can anticipate it. One one of the things, by the way, on ISIS is that we're learning more and more how they. Indoctrinate how they recruit, how they teach people to use uh, um, the precursors for chemicals, for explosives. And, the you know, we found out that this in regard to the United States in the attack in Columbus or in upstate New York and the suburbs of Washington, the Garland Center, Texas uh, Community Center. These are are remote, they call them remote guided plots uh, in Europe, Asia, U.S., elsewhere, where... They're being guided even without direct contact, and these are cyber planners that ISIS has, so it's a very sophisticated uh, operation. It's also harder to to counter I mean, when they is, engage this, in this.
0: This is the guided plot versus the lone wolf theory, right, basically?
1: It's exactly right. So the, wh- the lone wolf theory should not be...
0: But but one second, but one second. So many times. But it, oh, okay. So it's, it's a certain number, a certain percentage, right? In other words, in other words, you would still believe that there are a certain number of lone wolf cases when it comes to these attacks in the United States and other areas,
1: right? Just, but but, just, but very few that haven't had some contact, some inspiration, some direction. I think it's very few.
0: Interesting. Um, it's a that's it's 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 interesting because. It's one of the things that the authorities, as you know, and the media, really tries to downplay. They, they they prefer they prefer the lone wolf theory for whatever reason. Absolutely right, and absolutely right. And sometimes
1: governments do because then you know it's easier to explain. It does it says why they didn't go after go to the source of where it's coming from. Right. You know, it's an avoidance uh, tactic. Uh, w- one of the things that came out this week, something we did discuss weeks ago. And I have, for years, talked about the role of Iran and Hezbollah in South America. Right. Well, all of a sudden, there have been really serious articles appearing, uh, in part about the vice president of Venezuela, who himself prepared maybe 170 passports, fake passports for people of, uh, of Middle East origin, uh, including Hezbollah, and but but many more. And they talk about how Hezbollah used to, for decades, rely on local Lebanese patriot communities for their presence in Latin America. And they bought you know, influence amongst local officials, elites, and they built alliances with organized crime. And what? today, uh, it, it has established a sophisticated global financial network because of it. And now you have a vice president of, of Venezuela who is completely in their pocket, according to all the reports and assessments, and that they, they uh, a former legal advisor, you know, a um, uh, turned on uh, from the Venezuelan embassy in Iraq, went public and talked about the scheme to sell Venezuelan, Venezuelan passports and visas for thousands of dollars out of the embassy. And unfortunately, they get into the United States.
0: It is a miracle that the free world is still standing, I'll tell you unbelievable no the free world can be
1: strong but you got to be determined and that's why the messages are so important that iran begins to respond to to what president trump and but it'll be more important the actions but our allies also and i have been you know in the region traveling in the region and we will during this trip we will be going to morocco we'll be in egypt we'll be in cyprus and of course based in israel uh, and and there are great opportunities now, really great opportunities to do things, to, to change the balance of power, but well, well, one second. Russia is playing well, a very s- constructive we, we, role. You've got we know negative forces as well.
0: We know Israel needs cooperation, as you just said, of key allies. This, there was a meeting this week between Prime Minister Netanyahu and Theresa May, the Prime Minister of, of England. I mean, did, w- w- What was her attitude when it came to Iran and uh, Israel's uh, position in the Middle East?
1: Well, first of all, I think she, she agrees with the, the, uh, with Israel and with the U.S. on, on most issues. Obviously, she's been critical on the settlement issue. Uh, the British Parliament has been even more, and you have uh, Corbyn and others who uh, even flirt with anti-Semitism in their comments. Uh, but I think she's been, on, on Iran, she's been generally supportive. I think uh, Germany was. It to be a little less so or, or, or less so. But if there's American leadership... In, in, in a comprehensive approach and a program that reinstitutes, for instance, the banking regulations, we're not going to destroy JCPoA now. We're not going to, you know, just try to tear it up and say we're going to move ahead. They have to, which is why I said you do things smart, which right. is to take some of the measures they already did with additional sanctions. And they matter. Iran's economy is very vulnerable. The truth is, Israel's economy, is, as long as I just saw the statistic that they made $800 million this year from natural gas sales, well, I met with the uh, energy minister, Yuval Steinitz, and others. That the plans for the pipeline to Turkey, the pipeline to Italy, Greece, and, and Cyprus, uh, the goal is that they will supply 10% of Europe's energy needs. So Israel, <laughs> relatively speaking, is uh, is in a better position, and they, they, they invest more in research and development per capita than any country on earth
0: all right a couple of things will the prime minister I don't know if this is his issue you may say to me of course it's his issue is he going to bring up financial aid from the United States to the PA and demand that uh, it be reduced or stopped um, until they decide to you know negotiate in good faith of course it's his issue <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that <laughs> <laughs> no, I think one of
1: the things that he will talk about is cutting the funds that go for incitement and the money that is going to pay the terrorists at $300-plus plus million million, $350 million allocated in the budget specifically to pay terrorist families and, and some of the money coming from Hamas also. So until you stop that, you, you keep incentivizing people yeah, right. to engage in the murder yeah. of Jews. So I think those yeah. issues are certainly going to be important on the agenda.
0: Uh, What was your reaction when you saw the FBI report that Jews are the subject of more hate crimes in the United States than any Mm -hmm. other group? It has
1: always been true. Uh, It's true not just in the United States. In France, where they are, I don't know, 1% of the population, 51% of the racist attacks, uh, and uh, 40% of European Jews fear to show publicly they're Jewish, 60% of Swedish Jews, uh, and increasingly, many American Jews. And the fact that, you know, Islamophobia gets a lot of attention, but most of the attacks, or many more attacks, I should say, are are, are targeting Jewish sites and Jewish individuals. And, uh, and a particular concern to me is the rise in, in attacks that, that uh, happen on campuses and... Um, on and off campus, but the, those populations. By that's the, way, the next generation.
0: who Oh, that's for sure. By the way, speaking of uh, of France, Marie Le Pen has said if she wins April's election, uh, French Jews will have to renounce their Israeli citizenship. And as we know from history, these are the uh, types of things that either get proposed or implemented you know, at the beginning, and then God knows what happens down the road.
1: She also said that they should give up their yarmulkes and, the, you know, wearing yarmulkes in public is part of the price for, you know, the war against uh, Islamic terrorism. I mean, obviously, the rise of these uh, groups throughout Europe is a, of great concern and, and elements in the United States on the extreme left, extreme right that, that are more and more manifest uh, should be of concern. And, and we have to work together. And that means all of the Jewish community, um, instead of just focusing on now these the differences and um, on different policy issues we've got to look at some of these things that affect all of us and really require uh, a unified
0: response well now that uh, the most recent election in our country has put all us, uh, all of us out of the prediction business can I ask you if you think she'll win or there's no way to, or there's no way to tell at this point?
1: Well, you know that there have been some really uh, significant shifts in the election because uh, Fiona, who many people thought was going to waltz in, has been found with all sorts of scandals and and now is is being urged to drop out and uh, I think that overall the it's it's very unpredictable. Uh, most people tell me that she won't end up winning, but she will be a formidable force. There are others who have said to me that uh, that this year everything is
0: unpredictable yeah. and, and she could. Do people, I'm so curious about this, do people ask you about what the Jewish attitude should be toward the travel ban? Uh, Of course. What, I mean, is there even, there's no simple way to answer that I would guess, right?
1: Look, we all acknowledge that there's a legitimate security concern. Jews have always been sensitive on the issue of immigration and to the plight of those who are truly refugees and true uh, victims of uh, of oppression to be able to come to to the United States. I I never realized the numbers when I heard somebody speaking opposed to it. Uh, who said that three hundred? Uh, somebody from the government said that three hundred sixty thousand people that day had been admitted to the United States, and that the ban only affected a small number. But again, here it, it's not only what you do; it's how you do it. That there should be a process of consultation. There be a process. Everybody wants to see proper uh, immigration laws, and there should be, and there should be a tough stand on it uh, to protect the, the country. But it also has to make sense to people, and and having. The divisions that have ar- arisen out of this, and the fact that you're right, the election is over, but the aftermath wouldn't indicate that. That uh, we we need the people to come together, and w- uh, Congress and others should be brought into the process so that we come up with a, a comprehensive approach that addresses the security needs and at the same time uh, sticks to to the
0: principles. Um, finally, uh, this week. The Chok Hazdara was passed in the Knesset. Prime Minister Netanyahu's office, this according to Ynet, issued a statement responding to global objection to the Knesset vote to approve the regulation bill, which will legalize illegally built outposts in the West Bank. The aim of this law is to minimize the need to destroy houses built many years ago, says the Prime Minister's office, stressing that it will not be used to expropriate land. Well, I guess the... I guess there are people who uh, wish this law would have passed a long time ago.
1: And some who would have hoped it would not have been taken up until after the visit with the president and the prime minister would have had a chance to explain it and to you know talk about what, what the intent is. I don't think that they did a good job in, in preparing the groundwork for people to understand what this, this law is really about, and I'm not sure we know all of the implications. Obviously, this is a very sensitive issue, uh, and the prime minister, I don't even think, made it, he didn't make it back in time. He was still in England at the time of the – or on his way back from England uh, at the time of the vote, and it was 60 to 52. So there were eight others who didn't make it back. The, um, But you're right, this is uh, – you know, it's a very sensitive issue, and, and the question is, what does it really mean? And is this the thing over which you want to have to uh, draw the line, and and how you do it? You know, the, the salmons have been so demonized and so, uh, you know, put into harsh light, that no matter what happens there, it could be, you know, the most, whether they use terminology and, and the, the PA is now threatening to go to the international criminal court against it, sure. and the, or the world court against it. Many people say they don't have standing to do it. Whatever, but this is not this issue is going to be now um, the front front page for a while. You saw in Europe the you know they call it land grab. They have all sorts of terms have been. And, and many of the opposition are using those terms about the deal. So, again, it, it's not only what you do, it's how you do it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm asking this out of total ignorance. The, the Supreme Court in Israel can move in on an issue like this? They can react to a Absolutely.
1: bill? Absolutely. No, they, they will. They will. <laughs> you can be sure that a lot of NGOs have gone to them. It will be taken up. And uh, there are those who, in the Knesset who told me they thought the Supreme Court will, will block it, will never let it be implemented. So you've paid the price but you got nothing for it. And on the other hand, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, opposition to the role of the Supreme Court as ex- as extending beyond its mandate that they're making laws, not just reviewing laws. So these are all um, matters that here are very sensitive, very sensitive, very complicated. Uh, and I'm not sure most people really understand that they get caught in slogans.
0: Well, you know, as in the United States. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, you know, perception is uh, is usually, it, it, perception often seems, I don't want to say it's reality, but often seems like it's reality, so.
1: No, it supersedes reality, right. and especially in the Middle East, supers- and I don't mean in Israel so much as in the region, it's what people think you mean, it's what they think the United States will do. If they perceive the United States as being weak, they will act on that basis, regardless of what the United States actually is doing or policy, it's. Right. The president of the United States government can have any intent it wants. Government of Israel, but it's the question of how does the other side perceive it? How do they interpret it? Because they'll act based on that, not based on what you mean, but what on they on what they think
0: you mean. Right, understood. All right, um, we'll we'll let everybody know in terms of the schedule. We know you're traveling over the next couple of weeks, so we'll continue to inform right. our listeners about the weekly update, etc. Enjoy. We'll try. Hey, I know you're going to try. We'll you always try. you always try hard, and I hope and it works. Uh, and it's always exciting, by the way, when you're, you know, in a, in a unique place uh, to this audience. Um, uh, enjoy Shabbat in Yerushalayim, and enjoy Tu Bishvat in Yerushalayim.
1: Absolutely, and a good Shabbos to everyone, and I look forward to speaking to you soon.
0: Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joining us from Jerusalem today here at JM in the AM.